Maurice is blocked by Bogut. Good recovery by Andrew Bogut. Let's get rogue. Welcome to Rogue Bogues Basketball Series. Myself, Mike Procopio. What's going on over there, Pro? Bogues. Nah, not much, brother. Just another fucking day in paradise, my man. Just watching the Lakers get fucking destroyed by Portland, which ironically enough, we'll talk about Portland soon, but fuck. It's a good old Lakers, man. They never, you know, it's funny. They win two straight. Uh, Windhorse is probably thinking of the 86 Celtics and fucking all of a sudden now they're getting shellacked by a very mediocre NBA team. So it's a, it's a great day to be alive, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's ups and downs of the NBA. There's a lot, a lot of news this week, a lot of things to get through. So without further ado, we'll jump into it. Uh, team of the week, I'll let you go first. Who you got this week? I get the Celtics. Celtics are fucking rolling. You know, you know, folks, they just can't do any wrong, man. The way they're playing, you know, they're just, they're they're killing it. They think they won nine out of their last 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, firing nice on all cylinders. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah they had, a, they had a, uh, a close one with Toronto last, yesterday, but I mean, they just keep on, they just keep on hitting, folks. They're, they're a well-oiled machine. It's going to be a hard. They're going to be a, the. Ironically enough, I think the only team that could beat them is Golden State. To be honest with you, in a series, mm. I don't think there's really anyone else that could fuck with them if they're fully healthy. It's uh, you know, it's one of those things where like, God forbid, they just got to stay healthy. I think they'll be they'll be in good shape. What, what do you think about the Celtics, folks? Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go with them as well this week. Um, you know, we we obviously over we we, look, we overlooked them a fair bit just because they're so dominant, right? Every other week they've won four out of five or three out of four or four straight. So we kind of overlooked them a little bit. Um, they're a victim of their own success on the Rogue Bogues pod, but we have to I have to give them some love. I mean, nine straight, um, you know, beating Golden State at home and again they probably you know, should have locked up in, in regulation, to be honest. Um, some some silly, silly turnovers in regulation in that one. I think they were up, were they up 10 or something like that late, and then they, they squandered that lead and Golden State came back, give them credit. But they still managed to to, to get the win. Um, being th- this week, they beat Toronto, Golden State, and Charlotte twice. So, um, you know, Charlotte obviously – Charlotte are playing better as well, by the way. So they're, they're not easy beats anymore. Yeah. Um, they're, they're definitely playing better basketball. And, and, yeah, as you said, they've won nine straight. Um, and they just continue to roll on. I mean, they. I look at you know you, you compare uh, Boston somewhat to Phoenix, right? A couple of seasons ago, Phoenix make that great run of the finals. They don't get it done. Boston, uh, that's what you should look like after a run like that. Boston have kind of showed like this that they've really come back with even more vigor, like more intensity, like they're they're playing even better. Um, whereas Phoenix, we know, fell off and they they look horrible right now. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really high on them. I think they've got a really good chance. The only thing is, pro, as you mentioned, yeah, Golden State, but the East is going to be tough to get out of. Um, the, I think Boston's biggest battles are going to be out East, uh, probably harder battles than, than potentially the finals, albeit maybe Golden State, right? So, you know, Brooklyn aren't playing as well anymore, but KD will be back, so they'll, they'll be one of those teams that could steal a few games. Milwaukee Bucks, healthier, dangerous. Ingles is starting to find his form off the bench. They've got a good rotation. Philly are playing much better. They've snuck into second, four and a half games behind first. Cleveland, you still don't know. they got enough length and kind of 
names on that roster that have caused some problems in a series. Miami Heat, you can never discount, even though we have this season. We don't think they're as strong as they once were, but you can never discount them. So you look at that's your top that's your top six. Um seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, you got New York, Atlanta, Indiana, um, Chicago, and then Toronto might be in there as well. You're not really too worried about those teams. Knicks might give it a little bit of a series, maybe still a game or two, but uh, those those top six are tough pro. So I think Boston are gonna that championship merit's gonna be you know if they get to the finals they've gone through some tested battles to get there so I, I like I like the Boston Celtics and they're continuing to to play good basketball you and and you don't hear much about them off the court you don't hear much there's not much distraction no. since well since the off season and since the Adoka scandal they've kind of just gone quietly below the radar for how good they are and that's that that that's a really good sign for me that they're kind of not buying into anything else but. Hey, we let one slip last season. We had a chance to win a championship and we, we squandered it by their belief. Uh, we're not going to do that again this season. So they've been really good. Folks, like not only that, like, you know, I their second unit's so good. Like, you know, Brogdon's one of the better, more stable, you know, guards coming off the bench in the league. Then you got, you know, Derek White, Grant Williams, even Cornette, that goofy motherfucker trying to contest shots from 27 feet away when he jumps up and down like a fucking bunny rabbit. But like, <laughs> no, they're a good team, man. Like they're they're just, you know, like Tatum is finally sort of, I think he's maturing. Like I think I was really hard on him last year about playing no defense and things like that. And, you know, I think he's matured. I think that playoff run last year really did it. You know, and Al Horford's just sort of like, you think he's 97 fucking years old, you know, Benjamin fucking Button, and this guy's continuing to do his thing. Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, you know, even guys like Sam Hauser, they're just sort of getting it done. And, you know, uh, it's it's a, it's a fun team to watch that they're doing some good things, no doubt it, no doubt. But Is, um, is Gallo expected uh, back this season? I haven't read, I mean, is he... Bogues, I, I follow him on Twitter and he like... He was just started running Jogging, a little yeah, he just bit started running, like right? a month yeah, ago. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. And to be honest with you, you know, he might be able to play that Stojakovic role that uh, you know Peja played for the for the Mavericks in eleven if they can get him late. But I, I don't know. I, I'm not a fucking doctor, so I have no idea. But you know, he it's did it. Just, he did it August twenty seventh in the FIBA World Cup qualifier against Georgia. So the twenty seventh of August, um, Joey. Made it back under a year. Ingles was back on the floor. I think it was it ten and a half months, um, somewhere around there. So yeah. by that schedule, yeah. yeah, he's still he's still up against it. I mean, at best case, he comes back in June for a finals run. So probably not. Probably not. Up. If they play four straight seven game series, <laughs> yeah. maybe he might have a chance. Or the finals. Or there's a there's a uh, but, lockdown yeah. again, and there's a hub, and they delay the games till August. But yeah, no, nah, I answer my own question. It does not look like it. Just I did see he was running, so I was like, oh, maybe he's, he's closer than we think. But those ACLs, they definitely um, they take a while, and, and he's an, he's older as well, so I think that doesn't help him. All right, uh, week yeah. you got. What do you got, Bogues, for the week uh, team of the week? What's your what's your deal? I'm gonna go with the New York Knickerbockers. Playing some good ball. Nice. Over the last month, they've been pretty good, but the, they've had a they've had an zero and four week. So I've got to give it to them. Um, they just and probably games that they they need to win. You know, um, they they won they won three straight prior to this last week, uh, albeit against Indiana, Washington, and Detroit. I think they lulled themselves to sleep winning those games. 
and they lost to Toronto by two, Washington by eleven, Atlanta by fifteen, and Toronto by nine again. They got to they got to go at least two and two on those on that split of four, in my opinion, to to really be a formidable playoff opponent or, or, or to be able to get to a playoff series and make some noise. So they're still very inconsistent. They're playing better basketball. Um, I know Knicks fans are a little frustrated with with their inconsistency. Still, they're twenty five and twenty three, uh, five and five in their last ten. Um, at home, pro they're they're not that good. Uh, Eleven and thirteen, and they've they've, they've done really well um, on the road. So, yeah, they just they just they look like they were getting it together, but then it's still the same old Knicks. They're the Sacramento of these pro, um, and they they tease you for they tease you for a week or two, and you think they're finally turning the corner, and they you know everyone's buying in and they're defending and rebounding, and and then all of a sudden that happens. So, uh, the Knicks will be my pick, pro. Bogues, you know. It's a tough arena to play well in. It really is. It's a tough spot. I mean, it's a it's one of the probably the most pressure packed, you know, environments to play in, in 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 a way being in Madison Square Garden every night. And they just yeah, they just can't find that consistency. Look, they got a good coach. <clears throat> they got a solid player in Brunson. They you know, you know, Randall, Barrett, you know, even Quickly's good. But they just can't find they can't I think they just lost Mitchell Robinson. I think he what fractured his thumb or something. I, I think so. Yeah, they lost him a couple of games ago. Yeah, so yeah, just tough, man. I mean, you know, the roster isn't great. They did upgrade getting Brunson. I mean, he's putting up twenty two and six, and you know, playing well. Barrett's been hurt. He just came back. You know, Randall. I mean, for us, shit as as much shit as we give Randall, twenty five and ten. I mean, you know, twenty four and ten. It's pretty good, man. He he's he's done well. Like again, he's not a real number one for me, but I mean, he is putting up sort of all star type numbers, and it'll be uh, it's interesting. They just can't sort of get anything going, but uh, you know, uh, it's it's too bad. But you know what? They just keep slinging around. If R.J. Barrett can get better and you know sort of get healthy and stay healthy for a period of time, they can get some. You know, they get some consistent play out of their backcourt. They might have a chance, folks. But, you know, they're playing better. But that East is a bear. You and I were talking before. I mean, how many tough teams there are in the East. And, you know, with with what they got to face, it's um it's an uphill battle. I mean, they're hanging in there at seventh, I think, seventh. But, you know, like you said, that solid six of Boston, Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Cleveland, you know, Miami, it's a... Uh, and then you get that cluster. I don't. I don't know what Indiana is going to be doing because obviously, with without Halliburton for a while, they've they sort of take, taken a fall from like six to nine. But like, I don't know that next cluster of teams past six. You got New York, Atlanta. You know, Chicago, Washington, Indiana. You know, those, those cluster of four or five teams. What they're going to do? So it, it'll be interesting for sure. Agree. Who you got? Um, my. My pick is the Portland Trailblazers, which, of course, I picked them. They lost seven out of their last ten, but they're fucking shellacking the fucking Lakers right now uh, by, like, 20 at halftime in L.A., so that's that's always fun. But, um, yeah, just a team that just sort of – it's a weird group, man. I mean, you got Lillard and Simons, uh, you know, putting up almost the same type shooting numbers, but – you know, they, they get solid backcourt. You know, Lillard's averaging twenty nine, and you know Simon's averaging twenty one. But they just can't find, they can't find anything else. You know, Grant's playing well too, but 
they just really haven't found a, a group and a unit that could really sort of be consistent in winning games. I mean, the West is a little bit down this year. You would think that they, they have some stuff going, but, you know, they're, they're sitting at 12 right now at 21 and 24. And, uh, you know, could have picked the Suns easily, but, you know, let's keep our boy Wandale out of the uh, national news and not pick them. And But they, they, there's a couple of teams you could pick. But, yeah, the Trailblazers are, are falling off a little bit. You know, can't really figure them out, you know. I don't know what they're trying to do either. Are they trying to be young? they trying to go old? they trying to win? I don't know what they're trying to do, to be honest with you. They're in purgatory, NBA purgatory. They're 12th, trying to win. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. they got some, some aging stars. I mean, they, they came out of the gate. They were first in the West for a while. Um, they've really, really fallen off. And that shows you how close the league is this season. Uh, but, yeah, it's just um, – the same old roster. It's you know, Dame's Dame is a gun. Get it going. He's a scorer. Um, but you know, they haven't really been part of winning teams. Albeit they've run into the buzzsaw of the Warriors numerous times in the last decade. But uh, yeah, they're stuck in. Damned mm-hmm. if they do. Damned if they don't. They they can't really go young. They've paid Dame um, Simons as well. It was gonna you know, he's, he's a long term. Probably those two guys are long term solutions to them. I mean, Dame's probably got only another couple of years at a peak peak level. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I like I like Grant; he's fitting well with them, but just not equating to to wins. So Nurkic is decent for him, but they just they should be better. Uh, they definitely should be better, and they should be better than twelfth. But uh, it just shows you how deep the West is. So, be interesting to see what they do. Whether they whether they pull the ripcord in the next couple of weeks, if they they lose a couple more games here, um, they're three games below five hundred. They'll be the Lakers today. When we by the time we wrap this up, um, should be twenty two and twenty four. But if they drop, let's say the next five or six, do they just go tank mode and just you know rest guys for next season and just try to get in that Wembenyama stakes? I, I don't know what their pick situation is. Have they got all their picks? Nah, I think they do. I don't think they've really. I don't think they've made any huge trades. Although it's interesting, I think. Because they did acquire Grant, but I think that they traded Detroit their pick last year. Yeah, they did. So, no, I don't think they traded them any future stuff. I don't think they can get in the, the Victor sweepstakes unless they get that they get lucky and they get some balls in their in their favor just because they got um, – to me, I don't think they, they, they could really do it. I don't think they could fall from grace that far. Um, yeah, but the East, the East is super bad. Kid, <laughs> the East is yeah. 11, 11. – yeah, in, in the east is worse than than twelve uh, in the west. So, yeah, yeah, you're you're right. They'll probably still be you know in NBA purgatory. They'll probably be the tenth worst team in the league, which is not where you want to be. You know, um, it, nine. Is there no, anything so. worse than being like the twelfth seed? Is there anything worse? I mean, you're oh. not even you can't get in. You know, you're like you're not fifteen, so you don't really have a super chance for that first pick. You know, you gotta get, have a lot of fucking luck. <clears throat> and you know, pull something off for the first pick, and you know, it, it's just interesting how that's gonna f- that's gonna fly, you know. Yeah, it is. Uh, watch that space. All right, there's a lot of news this week, uh, so we'll try to get through these quickly. There's a lot of shit going on too, but uh, the game uh, season length of games has come up again. Um, the discussion around NBA players resting. Uh, it's really, really started to come to the forefront again. I think some fans are becoming frustrated with, you know, a lot of fans will pre-purchase tickets to see the Warriors come to their city. So say, you you know, Charlotte, the Warriors come to town, I want to see Stephen Clay, and then they, they finally get to that one game, they see him on, in their home arena and maybe one player's resting, maybe one's hurt. 
it's it started to come up again. Uh, Steve Kerr made made some comments on it. So did um, Stan Van Gundy of all people. We don't listen to him too much, but we'll listen to him on this. I thought he had a valid point. But but Kerr kind of reiterated, you know, let's go to a 72-game season. You know, he agrees it's not right. Let's go to a 72-game. I disagree with Steve. I, I don't think it's going to change anything. I think you go to a 72-game season, now you're going to have players playing 40-ish games instead of 50 um, because – you know, teams are going to rest. That's just, there's an incentive to do so, especially if you're a team that thinks they're going to go to finals or slash conference finals. You want to be healthier then. And there is an argument for that. I think it's just the pendulum swung too far towards the players. I mean, there's there's too many nights off. If you want salary for, you know, 82 games, um, you know, you got to get close to that. And uh, I mean, my solution would be for all the wards, you got to play, I think I think the num- magic number for eighty-two games would be sixty, probably sixty-five. That, that that generally was what it was back in the. I know when I was in in some running for awards, it was sixty-five games. I don't know if that's still around, Pro. Um, are you aware of that? Seventy. It's seventy percent on, on on a lot of these awards. I think it's like seventy percent. Yeah, so so seventy percent, but. It's tough. I mean, I, I don't know what the solution is, Pro. I don't know what your thoughts are, um, but the solution is is everyone's got different ideas. I don't think lowering the game is going to matter because it's just going to get manipulated. And, and just real quick before we get onto that, I'll go through Stan Van Gundy's comments around it. Um, he said, 90s NBA, '90s NBA teams had just one trainer and a strength coach, practiced more often and more hard, and played more back-to-backs. Teams now have a huge medical and performance staff, and they value rest over practice. Yet injuries and games missed their way up. And he was just asking what the hell's going on. And that's valid. That's a valid, valid point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, it was one trainer taping 12 guys and a bit of ice and probably too far the other way. It was a bit of kind of, I wouldn't call it malpractice, but there was a bit of like harden up and get out there and guys were like playing on stuff they probably shouldn't have. And we, we all know, was it was it Bill, uh, Kevin McHale, Bill Walton played on broken foot, broken ankle, all that kind of stuff. And now you see them these days and you're like, ooh, probably should have been a bit more smarter back then. Uh, but on the flip side now, mm-hmm. the performance teams uh, are just as big as the coaching staffs, you know, and just as big as the film room and just as big as the, the front office and people out there. That's a business within itself. We talked last week about, you know, the analytics teams now going to, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten people. It's a business. Um, performance teams the same thing. So uh, I think it's it's hard. It's very, very hard to figure out what the formula is. Van Gundy does have a point. Why has it changed so much? I think um, I saw Kevin McHale just, I don't know how old that interview was, but he was talking about, you know, people that come to watch the games just had a full day work to come support you. So if you're healthy, I think you should try and play. Um, that started rearing its head towards the end of my career where you just got random rest days where the coach will come to you and go, Carlo will just come to me and be like, we're not playing you tonight, take the night off. And you're just like, all right, cool. But you were perfectly healthy. That started later in my career. Um, yeah. Early on, it was like, it was, you know, sacrilege. You'd never, if someone, you're healthy, you're fine. Yeah, you're playing. Like, So I think there's that balance. I think the rest nights uh, are too much. Um, but I think if you're if you're hurt or coming back from rehab, it's a no-brainer to to limit guys. You know, you're going to play instead of playing 15 games this month, we're going to play you in 10. That's that's I got no problem with that. That's smart. But if you're perfectly healthy and it's just a matter of oh, I'm just going to give you a random off night, you know, it's it sucks for the fans, pro. Yeah, it's a big business. I mean, I, well, I think a couple of things on that, Bogues. Like, I think that the makeup of the athlete that's coming into the league this year is uh, th- these days are much worse off than they were 
20, 30 years ago when, you know, the heyday of playing hurt and all this stuff was happening in like the 80s, 90s and things. I think with all this AU basketball, extra training that these players do and the wear and tear that these players have coming into the league is much higher you know, than what they dealt with. Like back then there was no AU guys played, they played maybe at the park or they played pickup or whatever, but it's not like it is today. Like kids average with their high school team and AU teams. I want to say they probably average somewhere in the neighborhood of about 150 games a year, a calendar year, you know, Uh, and you know, where kids, you know, back, back in the day would play the 20 game, you know, 25 game high school season or college season, and then call it a day. I mean, these kids are playing a hundred AAU games a year since they're like 10 years old now. I mean, the wear and tear, they don't know anything about nutrition. They don't really know, even though there's all this education about all this stuff, they don't take care of their bodies. You know, you talk to trainers that like work with these NBA teams that test these kids for the pre-draft and they say their their joints are way behind, you know, like way like older than they should be, you know, be, back in the day. So I think people just like analytics, though, they jump on this where like, hey, let's push all these like medical people through and, you know, push them through the door. And everybody thinks they need 100 guys and they want to keep up with the Joneses where the Celtics got 12 guys and I'm the Knicks. I need 15 guys. Uh, the Knicks got 15 guys. Then, oh, shit. You know, on the Bucks, we need 18 guys. And it just keeps on going up and up and up. And there's massage therapists and trainers and strength trainers and literally you need a plane you need two planes to to fly to games now it's you know it's it's crazy but you know I don't know I think the athlete is different um you, you but but you think about back in the day like they flew commercial they didn't fly private they you know they've got all these staff members that they didn't have back then and yeah, there were injuries back then too, don't get me wrong, but it seems like all this rest and things like this isn't really doing much. You know, I, the numbers are probably almost about the same with injuries, maybe even more. And, you know, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting deal. But let's be honest, folks. Nobody gives a fuck about the regular season. Everybody's geared up for the playoffs and it's sad, but that's just what it is. It, if they play 82, 52, 22, They'll find a way to rest, and and they'll they'll miss they'll still miss thirty percent of their games, twenty percent of their games, and you can't incentive you can't in, you know put incentives in it where like you got to play this amount of games and you miss salary because then there'll be lawsuits and oh they forced me to play and I got hurt or you know this and that so you can never really get around it you can't put mo- monetary value on it you can't you know put incentives and in contracts. It just is what it is. You got to deal with this rest. That's what it is. I don't think it's going away. I think the only thing you could do, Bogues, is maybe like put buys to the top two teams in the playoffs, and you know, even you know, put more incentives like to be a top two seed in in your conference. You know, maybe you know, maybe it will entice some people to play. But I just don't think a lot of NBA. Not a. I don't. I, I'm not saying it's like eighty percent, but I think there's a big percentage of the league that don't give a fuck about winning, losing, or anything. Anyway, they just take the rest day, you know. So, what what are your final thoughts on that, Bogues? Like all the stuff that I just piled out of my fucking fat mouth. Exactly that. It's, there's always going to be you, if you go to fifty games, someone's going to manipulate it. You know, it, it's just just the unfortunate reality of it. Um, you look at what baseball does and got you know pitchers are pitching every every third game in the regular season. I, I don't know. You, you want you want 
more games because it's more money for the players. It's more money for TV rights. TV TV want more um, production. And I don't know. I, I just think there needs to be some sort of guideline that they put out and say to clubs like, hey, like, you know, maybe if your team's starting, you know, five hasn't played it. I don't know, a formula of some sort where like, the end of the season, you you mm-hmm. you lose some of your uh, revenue, uh, shared revenue, right? You lose some of your shared revenue if all your all your stars haven't played a certain amount of minutes. But unless it's severe injury or, but if it's just due to rest, I, I just don't like it. But on the flip side, then if if you put a rule like that in, people will just lie, teams will lie and say it's an injury. You can't prove a back spasm. You can't prove a cold and flu. You can't prove. Mm-hmm. You know all that kind of stuff. So there's always going to be a way to cheat it, no matter what you do. So I think it's, it's just something that sucks. Um, I, I think racking our brains trying to figure out a way to fix it um, is it's good to talk about. It's good for Steve Kerr to say 72 games. It's good for Van Gundy to have his point of view. But there's always going to be a way to manipulate it and cheat it. And a lot of it just comes down to just making sure the game's in a good spot that you don't get to a point where fans are like, you know what. I'm just going to wait till the playoffs. I'm just going to buy my tickets in the playoffs. They're going to be more expensive, but rather than going to 10 games in the regular season where my favorite player might not play, um, guys might be resting, the games aren't as important, players don't care as much because it's 82 games, one of 82 games. I'm just going to go – instead, I'm going to go to three players. You just hope it doesn't get to that because then the revenue and the earnings that players get are eventually going to dwindle down. We see you know players making $50 million a year yeah, these days. That's so. 150 less games. Mm. Yeah, it's 150 less games that, that's played. You know, three, you know, 30 teams, 10 games a team, 300 games divided by two. I think it's 150, and you can't miss that. And just say the average revenue, I don't know, that's thrown into the BRI is maybe I don't know, maybe it's a million dollars a game, maybe a little less. But you know, now you're now you're talking a lot, a lot of a lot of your B, not a lot, but a decent amount of your BRI is going to go down. You know, it's it's tough. How about have every injured player has to sit at a gate and give a high five to everybody going out and <laughs> serve, have, and serve hot dogs. Serve hot dogs. Yeah. So, serve hot so, dogs. Yeah. They like got to serve fucking hot dogs. Yeah. Yeah. That's what <laughs> they got to do. They'll they play. Gotta, they'll play. They'll yeah. play real quick. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, look, players do a lot of community events, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they there's got to be some sort of balance. It just needs to be a balance where it's not it's not this one sided. Like with everything, you need balance, and you, you go one sided right. um, on on either side of the of the coin. It sucks for both sides. And like I've, like I've said on record as a former player, I thought the league was very it was very league sided under David Stern. It was iron fist, and I think now it's it's flipped the other way. It's very pro. It's too pro player, and and we'll give you what you want. We're sorry. We're sorry. You know, blah blah blah. So. You gotta have a balance. Um, you gotta be in the middle somewhere, and we'll see. We'll see where that space goes. But until the consumer talks with their money, not much will change, bro. So until we see, you know, I mean, some of these small markets do struggle for crowds sometimes. But until we see people not showing up, and they do a survey, and they do a survey with the fans, and say, you know, why are you coming? Well, because stars are resting. Then, then maybe something will change. But until until the the money doesn't money's not talking, no one's gonna be walking. So that's just your standard uh, your business practice, bro. Yeah, I agree with that, folks. Uh, like, like you said, until they're until something's going to happen where their money's going to come out of their pocket. What are you going to do? There's nothing you can do. Mm. So, you know, just got to move on and just keep dealing with it. Look, you know, there's a certain amount of the fan base is pissed off right now, but at the end of the day, they don't. 
I mean, they don't really give a fuck. Like half these, half the people that go to these games, they just want to take selfies, talk shit to players, and you know, like they get mad for a second. And yeah, like a lot of blue collar people that have to save their money to to afford to go to games. And you know, Kawhi Leonard doesn't play, or this guy doesn't play. But you know, I mean, the average fan isn't like the average fan twenty years ago. They're not really into the game. They're not purist fans. They want to hang out. They want to get fucked up. Have a few drinks and you know take some pictures. They, you know, I don't. I think there are diehards left. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. I have no idea. I I don't think you're gonna really fix this problem. It's just something you're gonna have to deal with. I like the autograph fucking idea. I think Adam Silver should take it up and fucking pay me a copyright on that shit. <laughs> no good on Ruo, Ruo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, see, Ka- Kawhi's just sitting there. Kawhi's sitting there with his big ass mitts. Everybody's giving a high five, going out on Turnstile Six. You know, on the east <laughs> on the east corridor. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're gonna hold our breath for that one, bro. That's for sure. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. moving on, reports that uh, Luka Doncic has demanded changes pre the trade deadline, bro. Um, coming from your neck of the woods in Dallas. And there's also links to Luca to Miami has started to swirl, swirl a little bit, obviously in, potentially in free agency down the line. Um, I guess there's been a lot of a lot of talk about the roster they have around Luca um, that it's not good enough. It's kind of taken away his, his his prime years, albeit he's in his early twenties. He's got a lot a lot of time, but um, yeah, interesting that this has reared its, reared its ugly head, obviously, through maybe Lucas' people or someone's people that he wants he wants to see the Mavs make some trades. That's going to mean that Cuban's going to have to probably eat some celery um, and maybe even knock on that knock on that uh, luxury tax a bit more and and try to put some players around Luca where he can actually go out there to, you know, compete. We've, we've spoken about it at length. It feels like if, if the Mavs, if Luca doesn't have 30, 40, 10 and 5 a night, they're not winning games. And it's it's very, very evident that's true. Um, they can rarely win a game without him having a prime night whenever he has one of those nights where he's 5 for 20 or whatever. They, they just don't win those games. So what are you hearing out there? Yeah, I mean, I, I read Tim McMahon's article and, and listened to him talk and, he, you know, his reports are that, you know, his people are saying uh, he went to management. I have no idea. Like, I don't, I don't really follow that, follow that where I get inside and, and tell on that, but... I mean, it's just it's just a natural thing, like right, like you want to win. You know, the guy's a competitive fucking kid, and he wants to win. I'm sure he did. He's a superstar player, one of the best. I think he's the best player in the league. Of course, he's going to have conversation with the GM about, hey, you know, what's going on? It's not like he's the eighth player. You know, he's the eighth best player. Where you know they'd be like, look, give, you know, don't give a fuck if you're happy. You know, this guy's the best player. You know, one of the best players in the franchise history. You know, so of course they're gonna. He's probably gonna voice his you know, his, his two cents on things. I don't think there's much they can do. They don't really have a lot of assets that they can really trade off. They're going to get all these players back. They got good role players, that, you know, um, and, and, and to their credit, like they've done almost everything they can do over the years. They've made two big mistakes, one of which I'm I'm okay with the one mistake they made with Porzingis. At the time, I thought Porzingis was good. I didn't think he was a great player, but I thought he was an all-star quality player that could make an all-star team that was good to put with Luka at the time. They didn't, they, it cost him almost nothing to get him, uh, a couple of picks and, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. and Wes Matthews and DeAndre Jordan. It wasn't like they, they, they gave up a lot. They gave him 30 million they probably could have tested it and see what, you know, he was a restricted free agent. They probably could have tested it there, but they gave him the 150 pretty early in, in the whole thing. 
in you know, over five, and it cost them. They had to make the Dimwitty trade and the Bertans. So that was the first thing they did that I guess you could say was a mistake. And the second thing that they did was you know the Brunson deal where they could have signed him for fifty, you know, mid fifties. You know, early in the year they didn't because they wanted them to have a you know they wanted the freedom to trade him, and you know that that definitely was a mistake. But everything else looked like they they really haven't had a you know a big chance to acquire these great players or anything like that or draft a great player and they missed you know messed up on that. I think the Brunson thing they could really look in the mirror and say, wow, this that was a, a total mistake, you know, franchise wide, but. I don't think there's a lot they can do. Like Christian Wood doesn't have a lot of value. Um, you know, you could you could pony up a few players in a row and, and give out Dimwitty. Like, what are you gonna get? You're gonna get back Jacob Portal, Portal, which I like Portal, but like he's not putting you over the edge. I don't think there's a really a lot of moves you can make right now. If I'm them, I'm just doing everything they can do. They got, you know, they they got him under contract for a few more years. You know, let the salaries come off the cap. See if they can get somebody in free agency. In the meantime, sign some good low-level free agents in the summertime. Maybe you make a small little adjustment here and there. But there's no, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, I don't think there's any major trade Dallas could make to make this huge difference in the playoffs. Like, I think they they're, they are what they are. They can knock off some teams. I don't think they're good enough to really knock off the top teams in the West. You know, the top two or three teams, in my opinion. Um, but I think they could beat a lot of teams and they could do well, but both that, I just don't see it. And I think it's natural for, you know, for Doncic to, to sort of have some displeasure about, Hey, look, you know, you know, look, I signed this deal. I want to win. I don't want to come and, you know, do all this for 82 games for 10 months a year and, and, and fall short. I want to have everything that I can to, to win. And, you know, I could see that, but I just don't see what they have Bogues to sort of trade out to make that you know, make that possible. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's a Boston deal like last year where they made a minor trade and they made this huge, you know, they, they trade for white and then they, 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 you know, they were like under 500 or at 500 at the time and they made this finals run. I don't think there's a move like that they can make, but I have no idea. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. They're pretty, pretty hamstrung what they can do. Um, they're sitting, what are they sitting? 167 million in team payroll, payroll this season, that's good for eighth in the NBA. Um, they take a nice little fall next season to 143 and then to 108. So they've got some cap space coming up. Um, I, I think it's a matter of Luca's just going to have to suck up the next season or two with this roster, and then they can probably make a splash this offseason. They'll, they'll have about you know 25 odd million um, to spend compared to this season, and they'll probably have to hit the, they'll hit the luxury tax, of course. And then the following season, they've they've got a lot freed up. But then don't forget, Luca's money's going up as well. So I don't know. I think they're kind of stuck in it, like you said. What are you who are you going to move? They don't have a lot of guys that can really bring them back some some talented guys. Um, and unless you know Cuban wants to go the Golden State route of just super overspending, um, even though Golden State's doing it to keep their own guys then I just don't see it. It's not as easy as that. The fans are just like, get him some help. Well, you know, the way the salary cap structure works, the way trades work and, and all that kind of stuff, um, it's not as easy as just just going out and getting a big three like some of these teams did. I mean, get, getting a big three in itself sometimes is very strategic. You have to do a lot of things. Uh, you have to you start preparing for that a year or two in advance, free up cap space, make sure you can acquire them, make sure it's not stinging you too much luxury tax-wise. So and Dallas just aren't in that position. They, they're just... 
like you said, that they don't have any any tangible assets that teams want to jump at. And they could make a yeah, their best case scenario is on, they might make a small tweak pre-deadline that maybe helps them a little bit in the playoffs, but it's not going to turn this team into into some sort of you know conference finals dominant team that's going to get to the finals. Um, it's just not realistic. So I think the growth is slowly getting there for, for Dallas with, with Luca, obviously, but you want to be careful that his frustrations don't set in eventually and he hears those reports, which he obviously is, and says, you know, get me out of here or I'm not re-signing and then everything Dallas has invested in that roster they've put around him just going to be absolute trash once he leaves. So Sergio Barker also wants out, bro. Um, yeah, I don't know yeah. if you saw this. Um, very, very, very interesting. He's, he's had injury-riddled a couple of seasons. He's on a team that has a chance for a championship. He's playing behind Giannis and Portis of all people and and, and mixing Lopez there as well. Um, not content with no minutes. Thinks he should be playing more. So, so this is a prime example, I think, of a veteran who's probably not realizing where he's at in his career. Um, yeah, you could probably go to a, a team that's worse off and probably play 15 or 20, but you're not going to have a chance to compete for a championship if you're getting those minutes. You're going to be on a shitty team. So I don't know what your thoughts are there, but uh, the, the Bucks apparently are said to have will work with uh, Serge to find him a new home. He's no longer reporting to the Milwaukee Bucks. He's saying, he basically just said, uh, yep, cool, go home. We'll find you a place before deadline and we'll move on from Serge Ibaka. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know where that place is? It's Istanbul, Turkey. It's uh, Barcelona, Spain. It's uh, Seska, Moscow. So, I mean, look, he's he's had a long career and it's, he's been pretty productive as an NBA player, you know. Obviously, mo- most of his career was done, you know, in, in Oklahoma City and, you know, he's a good player, but it's just, you know, his time's running out. It, they, these things never really end well with your career and, you know, you always want more and you're looking back to the glory days and look, at you know, at some point in your career, you have value and you're highly coveted. But at this point in your career, you're sort of dwindling down. You're older. You're injury ridden. Um, there's really not a lot you can do. Maybe like that, like the role that he plays for Milwaukee, he might be able to get a little bit of a better role in a good team. But there's, you know, there's not really any teams probably like begging to have him. No offense to him, but he just really hasn't been able to do it in the last few years. And um you know, I don't know. Like, look, you, I don't know. I mean, everybody, I'm not going to tell somebody how to feel. Maybe, maybe he wants to, maybe he doesn't really care about the ring. And, you know, he'd rather like play for a team versus like not play barely at all and get a ring or have a chance to get a ring. So I don't know. I have no idea, but I just don't think there's going to be a lot of phone calls being made to, you know, we need Serge Ibaka. If this was, you know, if you get in a fucking DeLorean time machine and 1.21 gigawatts and go and fucking, you know, back to the future, maybe in 2014, somebody would call. But this ain't 2014, it's 2023. And I think things have really changed. And I don't think there's a lot of value there. I don't think there's a lot of sort of demand. Yeah, he's a, it'll, it'll be a buyout candidate, obviously. I, I don't think he's going anywhere. He might maybe for a sick round pick, someone f- f- throw some something at, at yeah. them. But otherwise, it's just going to be a simple buyout and someone will pick him up before the deadline. He's, you know, the trade deadline's around the corner. We're less than a month away from that. That'll be the route he ends up going if you if I was a betting man, but just interesting to see that he'd want to jump ship off a uh, championship team. Uh, what happened with the Grizzlies and the Lakers pro, Shannon Sharp? So Shannon Sharp's a, a media personality there in the US, a talk show host right with um and got into it with a few of the grizzlies players i read a quick report but i didn't really follow it too much back and forth with desmond bain was it or dylan brooks sorry dylan brooks went back um, went back at him and yeah it was yeah. dylan brooks it was yeah it was dylan it was brooks and um 
it was weird, man. Like, you know, I watched the game was right before halftime. And then, um, you know, I didn't really know about it. I think Woj maybe retweeted something and, and uh, sort of watching that. And, um, and then Sharp went at him. And then John Moran's dad went at Sharp, you know, and then Steven Adams came over to Sharp and, you know, like it was funny as hell. Some fucking support, some fucking security guard from fucking Memphis. If you watch it, like there's like four people trying to hold Stephen Adams back, and it was like, you know, it's like fucking, it was like fucking shooting a bottle rocket at a fucking asteroid. Like no, like he was just fucking throwing those guys around like rag dolls. It was so funny. Some fucking guy with floppy hair and I think a beard or whatever. Um, some guy who looks like he should work in a fucking Starbucks was trying to fucking hold back Stephen Adams, and like it was just, <laughs> just one of those like things. A chess piece. But he, he, like it wasn't even a fucking close, folks. It was fucking nuts. Like, but here's the thing: all, with the last couple of months, with all these fucking fans getting thrown out, he doesn't get thrown out for that. It was almost a fucking brawl. Like oh, was that he, was any like he other came back to his fan. seat, right? He came back to his seat, right? Yeah, so, but it, like he walked, like it was like. It, it was a big thing, folks. He walked off his like it was almost on the court because like he so he's like I think he was across from the benches and like you know and it was across from the benches and then like they were walking off and then Adams walked up to him. He started talking shit. Then John Moran's dad was like behind the basket, you know. So he got into it like near the tunnel and then those guys would continue to talk and then they just had to hold him back. If that was anyone else. Like, people have been getting thrown out for not doing anything. This fucking guy, like, literally almost walks on the court and nothing happens to him. Nothing happens to him. Nothing happens to John Moran's dad. Nothing happens to him. But if these are normal fucking people, these guys are thrown out. This is why it's such a fucking shit show. It's the WWF. Start, let's let's quit the – buy the fucking logo from the WWF. Let's put it on the NBA logo. And that's what it is. It's fucking WWF because this shit is just fucking pure entertainment mayhem. It's fucking brutal. But yeah, that's what sort of happens. He was just jarring like you can't guard this guy, LeBron or whatever. And then like Bain got in. I mean, Brooks got in it with him. And then, you know, and then Adams came over and then fucking John Moran's dad got into it. I don't know. It's a fucking shit show, Just sit man. there it's... and enjoy the game. I mean, uh, you know, Shannon yeah. Sharp, do like get your immediate personality, but you don't need to be, you know, going into the players and, and, and you know, trying to talk smack. Like, it's just like, you know, where, where's the line? Um, but yeah, I saw he got, he left to the tunnel, so he must have come back and sat in his seat, which is ridiculous in itself. Like you said, most players get kicked out, but um, you like a bit of back and forth and all that kind of stuff. But I think players obviously take it to the next level. Sometimes they'll go, they'll go for the neck, and then Shannon Sharp wasn't taking it, and then he felt disrespected, and then the list goes on. I just, I just thought it was, it was interesting to make note of. Wasn't a fan of seeing it from either either side. It just looks, it just looks shit. It just, it's, it's just fake drama. Um, Shannon, you're not getting on the court to fight anybody. You know, players aren't going to fight you. Like, calm, calm down, man. Um, but thankfully we don't have too much of that here yet. Uh, maybe one day the white house visit, uh, pro did you, did you, uh, sit down and watch the, the warriors <laughs> visit the white house? I didn't come on. I got better things to do, but it was fucking hilarious. Cause I listened to, uh, I listened to Frank Isola and Brian Scalabrini almost every morning and they were killing Biden for, uh, fucking up Clay's name. But I know it's a shit show day. You, you've obviously been there and done it, so I want to hear your thoughts on it. But I, I just heard about him fucking up the name and then wanting to kneel in front of the players and trying to get Kamala Harris to do it. And 
just a complete Ugh, utter fucking shit. Show. Him fucking up, him fucking up Clay's name. I mean, Clay's <laughs> been through so much. An Achilles, a knee, not being in the top seventy-five, and now you know they they boycott the last president, not fucking seeing, not seeing him for one reason. So now he's there, everything's great, and the fuck guy fucks his name up. Fucking beautiful. But in I'm, fairness, in I, fairness, I wanna, in fairness, he messes his own name up, bro. So you know, he, I don't think he knows his own name. Well, yeah, that's true. But. I want the clay jersey. That's what I want because that's what I'm going to call him for now on. Clay jersey. Yeah, so I want Nike to come up with a on the back of a Golden State jersey. I'm going to, I haven't bought a jersey in 30 years. I'm going to buy that one, bro. Both. So that's what I want. But go ahead. Give me the whole lowdown when you went. Oh, it's it's just look each to their own. Some people enjoy it, some don't. Um, I remember going to see Obama in what was that fifteen sixteen season after we won it in fourteen fifteen. Yeah, so fifteen. And I, I'm just these aren't mm-hmm. you know this is no. If you like if people like it, by all means, it's it's not a me thing. I don't I don't like it. I I, I hate those environments. Um, they're super fake environments. It's oh smile ha ha. All oh, the cameras are on. Let's pretend we're laughing at a joke and. You know, it's, oh, we're, we should be, you know, wow, we're in the White House. And, and to me, it's just some people like that. I don't. I, I, I almost didn't want to go. I was like, I and that's got nothing to do with, you know, because I'm pro or anti-Obama, like nothing to do with it. I just, mm-hmm. I wouldn't go if it was any pro. I just mm-hmm. don't like those. You line up and uh, anyway. And I remember DG, uh, Draymond Green lit me up uh, when we are in there. He's like, <laughs> he got mad at me because he How could Oh, because you could just see I didn't care. Like I, not, not, I wasn't being disrespectful, but I was just like, right. I don't really, uh, you know, but oh, you, but you want a photo while you're, you want a photo on the podium? You know, you know, when everyone goes up by themselves, yeah. like pretending they're the president and you get a photo in front of the podium, like you're giving an address and like, nah, <laughs> nah, man, <laughs> like not bothered. And then. Draymond was just like, come on, yeah. man. Like, you you know, this is, this. you, you got to respect the White House and this and that. I'm like, I'm not disrespecting it, bro. I just don't, it doesn't, <coughs> doesn't appeal to me. Like all the people in this room, are, it's it's all, it's all fake. It's all, it's all, it, I just don't like those environments. I'd rather be just with regular people like that aren't like at a bar having a drink, talking shit about a game or something than that environment because it's like, it's just super, you've been around similar events, bro. Like it's, it's on steroids, the cameras are rolling. You know, you could tell the dumbest joke. Yeah, in, I hate that shit. You, you could tell the dumbest joke in the world, and everyone like, oh, oh, that's so funny, ha ha ha. And you know, it was it was amazing though. Like Obama's one thing you give him credit for. He's he's very well versed in, uh, or very mm-hmm. well very well prepared and very well versed. So he he knew he had a quip for every player um, that related to them, mm-hmm. which was you know it's pretty hard. Albeit he's a basketball fan, so it makes it easier, but. I mean, I, I can barely remember twelve people's names um, that I just met. You know, like, and he he'll know he knew every person's name, and then as he came up to each and every one of us, he would say something that related to us. So for me, he made an Aussie joke, right? Um, for you know, for yeah. for Steph, it was something to do with Charlotte, or um, then you got David Lee it was to do with Florida, like, and it was just like bam, like like he wasn't obviously he'd prepped it, but it wasn't like he was prepping between each. He didn't have time to do it, so that was pretty amazing. Like he was. Very, very, very well switched on, but um, just not me, pro. I mean, each to their own. Some people love it. I mean, I'm Professor Cezili. He's not even. I was giving him shit. I'm like, dude, you're not American, and you're like creaming your pants here, dude. Like, what's wrong with you? You know? And um, he's like, come on, man, this is really cool. I'm like, oh, I'm, just, I'm just, and I'm not. I wasn't mad. I was just, just, I just like bantering and breaking people's nuts. So I was just like, dude, Festus, get off the podium, bro. You're from Nigeria, man. You're not American. Like, what are you doing? Sacrilege, sacrilege. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, fuck off, bugs. You know? So. Each to their own. Like some, some liked it. I, I'm not. I wasn't a huge fan of it. Albeit, I'd done it 
I, I I got a White House visit before we won the championship. Um, so we we did a, when Obama got elected. You know, obviously it was big news in the NBA circles. So our uh, our owner with the Milwaukee Bucks at the time was um, Senator Herb Cole, Senator Wisconsin, um, former senator, um, and he obviously is a senator. So he had ins in the White House. So we just went on a random uh, trip to play wash the Wizards one one road trip and. He'd organized the whole Milwaukee Bucks team. We sucked too; like we didn't even deserve a visit. But we, we were like, you know, below five hundred. But we all we all got to go. Uh, so I'd done it twice. So I guess the second one, it was like, ah, oh, I've already done this, guys. Like I'm, I'm kind of, I'm too cool for school. Probably was the way I was acting. But um, interesting, it, you know, just thought, it's it's an ordeal, man. And it's just getting in and out of the damn White House is an ordeal in itself. All the security oh, measures. Oh God, yeah, I done. You, you can't bring anything yeah, in there. I did that once. Um, did sit in the mm-hmm. did sit in the room where you know the the plane supposedly hit the um whatever whatever hit whatever plane that was that hit the mm-hmm. um the what was it the Pentagon um so I guess they have a yes. that they have like a room that they've turned into kind of like a uh, a shrine, shrine. or a, yeah and you can you can actually go in the room um you can see kind of. You know, it's just it's basically out of the front lawn of the Pentagon. And the other thing I was amazed at is the Pentagon, man. The Pentagon's massive, dude. Like I, I couldn't believe. So the Pentagon massive. has its own zip, has its own postal code, zip code. It's got like, it's it's like a massive, like huge, huge, you know, shopping center mall type feel with office. Like it's just you don't realize how big it is, man. So um, yeah, that was interesting. But yeah, I've, I've done it, done it. Wouldn't want to do it again. Not my thing, pro. Um, but. The, the Biden one definitely <laughs> it's yeah. a it's a comedy That's routine I would I, I would have went if I would have went I definitely would have you know tried to make a little quip to Biden about something um, just to try to <laughs> go go a little bit of banter at him and maybe I would have mumbled something to see if he understood mumble language or something um, but each, <laughs> each to their own um, it was it was definitely interesting for those who haven't seen seen it uh, I don't recommend you watch it because it's same old, you know, smiles, kissing babies, um, all that kind of stuff. But um, messing up Clay's name was was definitely all time. All right, we're going to finish with a bang, pro. So this has been uh, spoken about heavily all over social media the last couple, probably last week. Um, it's been an issue that's been spoken about over the last couple of years, but a video finally came out, and um, it's regarding kids behaving badly, pro. So it's a third grade team. Uh, for those that most basketball fans would have seen it trending, you can you can you can Google it or YouTube it or whatever. You'll find it pretty quickly. But um, it was initially posted by I think Basketball Forever and a few other sites as a pro. Oh man, these kids are wild! Ha ha ha! Like it was funny, and I watched the video, and it's 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 disgusting, man. Um, it's 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 basically third third grade kids and the way they're acting on the court um, when they score a basket, when they make a shot, and I don't blame the kids. Um, it's a direct correlation to them watching their idols, which is the players, and emulating that behavior. And look, I didn't always act the best in, in, in the best light when I was frustrated and, and whatnot, but I, I didn't do it on a daily basis and I didn't make it, I try not to make it the norm. But these kids, you know, have now, uh, th- now think that that's a normalized behavior. The examples are like, a, a, you know, kid gets an and one against a little big, big, strong kid gets an and one against some other kids, and yeah, and one, you little bitch, yeah, you little bitch. You know, this is this is kids in grade three. You know, um, it's it's making a basket and flexing in front of people. It's yelling in people's faces, and I'm all for emotion. I, I think sport, you have to have emotion. Australia's the opposite. They try to they try to. It's frowned upon to have emotion. I love emotion. You know, you dunk, you dunk, and you come mm. down. You let out a yell. Or you've just made a big stop, and you yell out. You know, you you scream and you're pumped up and you flex. No problem. 
when you do it in someone's face, um, when you're getting in someone's face, when you're belittling people for no reason just because your idol does it, I think this question should be asked to to those athletes. Like the, the and and I guess the quick tea discussions that we have in the NBA sometimes we kind of laugh sometimes about it, but I think with these circumstances, they need to cut it out. I think the NBA, the pro leagues, the NBL, they need to cut out that behavior because little kids are watching that, and, and you watch that. You know, there's you know idiots with low IQ that low IQs out there that think, oh man, those kids are funny as like no, that's not funny. It's just not funny. And if you think that's only happening when they're to opposing players, it's not. It happens to their teammates at practice. They say the same shit to their coaches, to their parents, and we should not condone that. Pro, I don't know what your thoughts are. You're around it a whole lot more than me right now with the junior game over there in the US. We see it a little bit in Australia, but it's not as bad. But I know, I know in the US, it's definitely a problem. It's a glo- it's a global fucking problem, and, and mostly in the United States, it, it's a problem. And you know, it starts with the NBA, and, and everybody just you know all the like the, the league allows all this shit to happen. And look, like I'm all for like shit talking from players. I'm all like you know as long as it's like sort of certain types of banter, right? Like I'm all for that. I don't mind the uh, you know the guy makes a three, sort of does a whatever he does the hand signal. I don't actually mind that either, although it's fifty fifty to me. But like it's the too small rock in the cradle, you know, really doing some stuff that's sort of outlandish. And what happens is, you know, players get that, they emulate that, and and everything happens and. It, there's no humility left in winning. There's no humility left in the game. It's all about, you know, likes and clicks and shares on social media. So what can get you out there? And you get these 10-year-old kids. First of all, that big black that big black kid, the fat kid that's, that's Hercules from, um, you know, the Nutty Professor of the movie. He He's probably about 18. He could probably vote and rent a car for God's sakes. But like the shit that he was doing and then, you know, getting allowed to do was bullshit. And like the parents should be, dis- you know, disgraced. If I was their parents, I'd be disgraced. My kid will never put that. They'd be, they'd be grounded for about a year if you try to do that shit. And it's like, it, it, it's a whole food chain. Like, first of all, the coach should have took those guys out. That's not emotion. There's difference between emotion and being happy and doing things and then making people feel bad about themselves, you know, and, and just disgracing themselves. So the, the people coaching should have should have got those kids off the court. The guy that's running that team should have fired the coach on spot. If I was running the tournament, I'd kick that fucking team out so fast their head would spin and just never have them in one of my events again. But that's what we allow. And what happens is, you know, they become asshole players the rest of their lives because no one tells them. They think that that's the game that's being played. And first of all, it's usually terrible fucking players who do it. I don't mind if good players sort of have a little fun with it. When terrible players like that fucking, like that little midget number, like that little midget number 10 or whatever, one that was flexing, that white kid in the background, that's going to be doing the homework for his, you know, for his high school teammates when he gets older because he'll never be able to play. Like that type of kid, you know, they think that that's the way the game should be played and it's really not. And I'm not saying that you should be a robot with no emotion. I'm all for emotion. You make a basket, you dunk on somebody, you know, and you get excited about it and you scream, whatever, great. Usually your teammates are doing all that stuff on the sideline anyway for you. So like they're they're usually like 18 people and the 29 coaches behind the bench are usually doing some type of, you know, signal when somebody dunks or somebody makes a three. 
but it's just it's it's a it's just bad it's bad for the game you know it's just but that's what the game is it's all about hand gestures and hand signals and doing this and doing that and you know i'm just not for it man i'm i'm for emotion and i'm i'm for shit talking but like a lot of this other stuff has to be cut out and it starts with the nba because the NBA, the kids are going to go, whatever the NBA guys are doing, whatever they're wearing, however they're acting, whatever, however they treat referees, coaches, things that they do on the court, they're going to emulate from, you know, start to finish. And we just got to do something about it. Like, like I said, I'm, I don't think we should be robots, but like, I think it's bad behavior. I think parents and uh, like, who's the adult in the room? Like who's, you know, who's finally going to say, nah, that's not a good look. What are you doing? But nobody holds the line, folks. They think it's funny. Ha ha. They'll share it on social media. Everybody loves it. Oh, it's emotion. Because everybody sort of has a different feeling about this. There's people like me who hate it. There's people out there that love it. Oh, it's emotion. You guys are just trying to take the fun of the game. That's not fucking fun. That's not fun. That's disgusting. You know, it's just bad. The it's problem is, bro, how do you, fucking as, a, as a coach, as a coach or a parent, how do you go to that kid and say, hey, what you're doing is wrong when he says, well, you know, player X in the NBA is doing it. He's my idol or this player is doing it. True. And that's the problem. So it's got to start from, yeah. it has to start from the top, man. Like, and it's, you know, as players, we, you know, you hate hearing that you have, you know, you're a role model, the old Charles Barkley. I am not a role model, but you are these kids. Yeah. They, they they look at they look up to you. That's why we've got kids shooting half court shots because they love Steph Curry. They want to be Steph Curry, so they're trying to shoot half court shots before they even master a layup, right? So you're like, how do you how, how do you how do you fix it? It starts at the top. I don't blame the kids, man. The kids only, you know, when I see bad badly behaved kids, even at my kids' school or sport or whatever, I look at the parents straight away. Nine times out of ten, that's your problem. It starts with the parent, and you know, obviously you don't you, you can't put it all on the players and say. You know, you're raising kids. No, it's not that extreme. It starts with the parents, number one. So what you're condoning and allowing as a parent is what you're condoning and allowing as a parent. But also, you know, parents need to say, hey, what 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 this athlete's doing, that's not right. I know he's your favorite player, but hey, that's that's not cool. We don't do that. And and, and you gotta you gotta discipline your kids in that way. And that's that's where where it's nine times out of ten, it starts and ends. But I definitely think, you know, players should um, take a bit more kind of no wants in, in in the fact that you have but, to yeah you have to you have to mentor younger players that way even if you don't know them but also you know bogues the people who run these teams and tournaments and events gotta cut that shit out like yeah like i agree like oh my favorite player does it but they gotta be strict with it and that's why like most of these tournaments bogues like with au basketball right and au gets a bad rap None of the, most of these tournaments that you see are not AAU tournaments. AAU is an organization that's sort of like an Olympic committee in in the United States. It's not as big in basketball as it is bef- before because it was too many rules. Like you have to pass in birth certificates. You could you you know if you're in a certain grade, you could only be a certain age in a certain grade. You know to to allow to be you know allowed to be in a, a sanctioned AAU tournament. Then you've got a dress code on the bench. You've got certain you know bench decorum like they've got rule after rule and you know now it's gotten a bad name because of the fact that like none of these teams want to follow rules now you've got all these other circuits and all these other organizations that sort of run basketball that's why people don't really enter AU tournaments anymore because of the fact there are too many rules and the thing is like with all these tournaments like that's where you can nip a lot of this stuff in the butt where like look there's a code of conduct look 
Like, there's got to be certain rules like, hey, look, we don't mind emotion, but this has got to be it. But again, Bogues, it starts with that, how players act, how coaches act, how parents act in the stands, referees getting attacked during games. Like, like there's a global problem. I mean, a global, I keep saying that, a national problem in youth basketball where there's a, sh- a huge shortage of referees because nobody wants to referee anymore, folks. They get attacked. They get harassed. Nobody backs them up. And, and some of the stuff that I've been talking about with the NBA, I mean, it, it, it doesn't happen like that in the NBA. It's not You just get sort of harassed during the game as far as getting, sh- you know, players talking shit to you. But, like... There's like like physically attacked and they don't want to do that shit anymore because nobody's backing the referee up. And I think it starts with the problem with the United States, folks, is there's so many organizations that run all these tournaments. So there's not one like in FIBA. It's like FIBA. It's like FIBA, Italy, FIBA, Europe, FIBA, you know, Spain, FIBA, Australia. Like there's one organization that sort of runs all of youth basketball. It's not like that. So nobody's checking the checkers. And that's a big fucking problem. Nobody. And then then you get all these fucking morons that fucking with these cameras at games that like film that shit. Know it's going to get really shared on social media. So they're hoping that shit happens. They're fucking hoping like a brawl happens or a, a ref gets knocked out or some player talks shit and they fucking fight or they just have that, you know, so they can share it millions of views, hundreds of thousands of dollars through, you know, through these social media platforms. And, and nobody's like holding the line and say, look, this isn't good for the game. This isn't good for humanity. This is not good. Nobody wants to do that shit because people make money at this stuff. Folks, at these fucking tournaments, I mean, I think I've talked about it before. Forty dollars to get in, twenty dollars to park. You know, five hundred bucks if a kid, if your kid wants to like a, a seventy-five second highlight video from the weekend with Drake bumping in the background. There's millions of dollars being made at these things, but like they again, it's like the WWF. They just want the entertainment. So it's uh, you know, it's um, it's a. I don't know. It's a fucked up deal, man. I don't think it's going to get any better until somebody says, you know what? Enough's a fuck enough. It's ruining our game. You know, it's ruining our game. And, and I think it's it's something that has to be addressed. But I don't know. I don't just like the uh, resting in the NBA. I don't know how the fuck they're going to fix it, my man. Yeah, I think your fix is pretty simple. I think it's, you know, the NBA needs to tighten up on on disrespectful celebrations and I think they have somewhat like you've seen a few times when guys clap at other guys it's a quick tea and sometimes guys are like oh that's not a tea but you know emotion's fine like you said if you just got a big block shot and you flex to the crowd or you pump, get, get on your feet and you yell you scream or you just got a big dunk and you yell but if you're going like little bitch yeah or, or you're you know you're a pussy or this or that or that or yeah. this automatic technical foul not, no questions asked Give that a T. Make it known publicly that you know they do their, their their referees report. Make it known publicly. Make a do a little bit of a PR blitz around when that kind of stuff happens. Not picking on players, but hey, we're stamping this out of our game. It needs to get stamped out of high school and junior basketball. And I think you'll see a change. But interested to hear parents. I know a lot of our listeners are in Australia. We've got some in, in the US as well. On on what you feel like is going on in junior sports. What you see. Are we right? Um, should things change? Should kids be kids? And they just they only you know do what their idols do i mean i'd be interested to hear most people's opinions i think most people's opinions that i spoke to, that i speak to around these parents have all said it's gotten out of hand um i think the minority are probably people that you know think that it's funny and cool are probably not the right kind of people you want influencing this so we'll, we'll see where it goes but listeners 
let us know about that. All right, Aussie Watch, not a whole lot going on this week. It's much of the, much of the usual. Delhi DMPs, Paddy DMPs, Josh Green still injured. Dyson Daniels had a solid week, 4.5 points, 5 rebounds, 4.2 rebounds, and 1.25 steals. Good week for him. Jock had probably one of the best weeks of his career. 7.6 points, 5.6 rebounds in 15 minutes a night. He's started to really solidify around about that 15-minute mark a night. 10 which is, 10. Yeah, which is great to see. He had 10 and 10 a couple of nights ago, so a real good week for him. Giddy a bit more quiet this week compared to last week, but still solid numbers. He's going to win the award again. Uh, we'll just give him the trophy now for Aussie of the Week, but 16 points, 8 rebounds, 5, or six, five, five assists. So it's his sixth time Winning the award, not much competition there. Thibel, not a great week. One, 1.3 points, one rebound. He's played about 10 minutes. Uh, Simmons for the week. Just noticed, uh, by the way, Brooklyn just beat the Warriors on their home floor. Simmons is not playing in late games. They don't put him, they don't not have him in the game for the last four or five minutes. So that's interesting. Um, free throw issue and whatnot and the confidence. And they, they made their run without him on the floor. Uh, Simmons had 7.5 points, 6.5 uh, re- uh, rebounds, 8.25 assists per game with 1.75 still. So, so good numbers, but they're, they're going to need a bit more for him. Joe Ingles have, had his best week uh, since returning from injury, 11.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, 5 assists per game, 4 for 5 for 3 from the week. And Jack White DMPs with a little bit of a, a garbage time, which put up no stats pro. So that's the Aussies, but we can just give the award to Josh Giddy. He's going to continue to dominate with those numbers. Um, ben was really the only guy that I thought would have a chance to steal a few of those on a weekly basis when you consider you know, how much minutes the Aussies on this list get. But uh looks like he's not even in the running for it anymore. Um, but yeah, all the, all the rest of them doing pretty well. On to the NBL. The Kings, uh, bad weekend pro. 0-2, Perth Wildcats, uh, absolute buzzsaw. The Kings ran into in Perth on Friday night. Uh, credit to the Perth Wildcats. They've had some ups and downs this season. They're starting to find some form. They just... Were fantastic from the three, uh, shot the ball really well, moved the ball really well, and Kings were fought back in the third, took the lead, and then the, the Wildcats were too much. And then the tough trip back to to uh, to Sydney on the Saturday, cross-country flight from Perth, early game Sunday, they lose that one to New Zealand in a tough game, tied game with about 30 seconds left, and, and uh, Brantley banks a three-pointer from the top of the three to put them in the lead by three, and they, they held on for that win, so credit to them as well. Uh, Adelaide look like they're done. Um, the big overspend team of the NBL season um, is overcooked. They're overdone. Um, so they're, they're, they look like they're not going to make it unless something drastic happens. Results fall their way. They're pretty much out. Melbourne United are on a hot streak. They've surged into a chance to steal that sixth spot. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Them, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, all in the running. Tasmania. All in there. Um, the NBL Pro, uh, this has been uh, – I'm not a fan of this. I, I heavily disagree with this, and I know a lot of people do. Some some don't, but they've they've scrapped the NBA, NBL Rookie of the Year Award. They've renamed it to the Next Generation Award, um, and it, <laughs> the criteria is basically anyone can win that award up until the age 25. Um, I guess their, their theory is that there's not a whole lot of rookies coming into the league. Um, on a yearly basis to warrant having an award for it. They also have the uh, NBL Next Stars program, which they heavily promote. So this coincides with that. But um, all players under the age of 25, Pro, um, at April 30, 30 of the year of the conclusion of the relevant season are eligible to win. I believe this also includes, I think it can be imports as well. Um, 
uh, rising Australian New Zealand players, returning college players, next stars, high-level imports, and exciting development players. So they're all eligible for this award. So theoretically, you get a young star in the league at 21, they can win that award four years in a row pro. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but I'm not a fan because it also takes away history of the game. It's a, it's a, it's a category that's historic. It's, it's been in the league for, for since since inception, just like the NBA. So just scrap it now for a little bit of a marketing edge for that next gen, next next stars program. Not a fan of it, but uh, that's just my opinion on it, bro. It's a weird deal, folks. You know, I mean, rookie, you would just think rookie, right? Like first year mm-hmm. instead of, you know, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think was behind? What do you think was behind that, folks? Well, I think the next stars program. As far as I think like, that next, they got the next stars program. That's that program where they can the league will the league helps fund a contract for a guy that's got potential to be drafted, kind of like what Lamelo Ball did, and they'll put whatever team they go to, they help split the salary, and then there's a buyout figured, blah blah blah. That's called the next the next stars program. It's been a mm-hmm. pre, it was pretty mm-hmm. good early on. And it's kind of fizzled out a little bit, and I think that this is a big kind of push to keep that going and and next next stars next gen award i mean i'm a fan of, like i said i don't care if there's three rookies they should be competing for rookie of the year um it's a historic award Andrew, you know i think andrew gaze i mean everyone's been on that trophy historically in the nbl some big big names have been on that trophy it should continue we just have a separate category have another if you want to, if you want to introduce the next gen award introduce it as a separate award don't don't have it take away from the the rookie award um and yeah not not a huge fan of it but uh the league make the call, and, and they're the big bosses. So we'll see. We'll see how the award goes. I know it's it's received mixed reviews from a lot of people. Uh, you know, some some people employed by the NBL obviously promoted it and said it was a good thing. But uh, some coaches that I've spoken to, um, even some assistant coaches, even some former players, weren't too happy about it. So we'll watch that space. And and just some, a small bit of news: uh, the the Bachelor Felix Van Hoff or Von Hoff, sorry. You know, huge. He's a huge fan of the Sydney Kings, myself, and. And whatnot. Uh, he was on the show, The Bachelor here, Pro. He's a NBL. He was an NBL uh, media personality. Did a lot of the com- some of the commentary and the, the talk shows. He disappeared, Pro. So just just letting everyone know. If anyone's seen Mister uh, Von Hoff after his uh, interesting run there on The Bachelor a couple of weeks ago, as you know, some 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 questionable things uh, he did. Um, but looks like the NBL's trying to steer away from him, Pro. So uh, I think it's a great decision. What did, um, what did he do, Bogues? He was on the show called The Bachelor, and just some just some inappropriateness on that show. Um, first off, I mean, I think anyone that goes okay. on no, – no offense to my friends that, that are on reality TV, but you, you go on a show like The Bachelor or Big Brother, I think you should automatically be suspended from your current employment, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> I think you should just put, this, put a line through your name. You go do your reality thing, but any anything you do in professional capacity, we're not, we're not going to do it. And it looks like the NBL has done that. So it would be interesting to see whether he comes back or not. But uh, – yeah, he's, he was he was very very heavily promoted um, early on in the NBL season, and a lot of people were questioning why, and it was tied in because he was in he was on uh, The Bachelor, which is a show on on free to wear national TV in Australia. And after a week of that, and people seeing kind of how he conducted himself, uh, I don't think it, it was a good good image for a family friendly product like the NBL Pro. So. We'll see. Uh, we'll see where that ends up. But uh, interesting times with the reality TV. All right, Dabble. Dabble is betting meets social media. On Dabble, you can follow your friends and mates, talk the experts or trending tipsers, much like myself. I'm not too much of an expert, but I trend every now and then. Scroll through trending bets, copy them all in one tap. Really, really easy. You don't have to sit there for you know 20 minutes trying to copy someone else's multi. You can just straight copy it to your account. Most importantly, you can follow me, Andrew Burger, all one word on Dabble. Go on, download the app. Have a double, double socially, must gamble responsibly. You must 
gamble responsibly. All right, stats, useful, useless pro. Go through these ones real quick. I've got a fair bit this uh, this week. Most field goal attempts in January. Who would you have as number one pro? Uh, it is just for January. Number one, I was going to guess Luca, but I don't know. Luca Luca's, Luca's in there. Luca's in there at 22.9, but LeBron James, he's getting them up. 25, 25 field goal attempts ah. in January. So he's going for that Kareem Award. Clay Thompson, number two. Clay Thompson, number two, was interesting. Um, you know, he's, he's in there. You made Clay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and Jalen Brunson's in there as well. Yeah. But uh, useful, useless pro. Ah, useless, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you could jack shots up in a month or and just get lucky or whatever, especially if you're in that top five or top six and, and you just sort of catapult up. Yeah, I don't I don't put a lot of merit behind it, but yeah, he's definitely chasing that fucking thing, man. He, you know, he's definitely, he, he he's definitely thirsty for that thing. Yeah, so I think that, it's useless. I agree it's useless, and I think the only reason why I brought it up was because it's just showing LeBron is going to try to salvage something out of this season. It's not going to probably be a playoff berth. If, yeah. if it is, it's going to be a one-and-done playing. Yeah. He'll get that scoring title. So, But otherwise, a useless stat. Whenever you go split stats up into months, it makes it kind of useless. All right, next one. Nuggets this, Nuggets this season. First in the West, second in the, in the NBA, second in offensive rating, first in field goal percentage, first in three-point percentage, second in assists, and 15 straight wins at home, bro. Useful or useless? Nah, that's pretty useful, man. It's just dominating across the board. And, you know, I mean, they're dominating the West, of course, and it's a little weaker than the East for sure. But, I mean, they're, they've they earned it. And and they played well. They played well all year. And, yeah, I think it's pretty useful. I mean, they, I mean, all those stats reflect the fact that they're, you know, they're wet in the West and they're doing, they're doing really well. What do you think, folks? I think it was use, use, useful until I realized that just now the OKC Thunder beat the Nuggets in Denver. So there goes their 15 straight home wins, but it's still useless. <laughs> but it's, it's still useful. Sorry. It's still useful. So no longer 15. It's 15 straight wins and over. They're back to zero, but uh, definitely they're having, a, they're having a hell of a year. Been fun to watch. I'm really, really interested to see how they go in the playoffs, bro. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Point guards to average 20 plus points as a Nick. How many do you think there are historically off the top of your head, bro? Historically. Um, counting this year? Counting this year, yeah. 20 points a game. 20 um, plus points a game in the history of the Knicks organization yeah. from the point guard spot. How many How many point guards do you think there are? And Can you name any of them? Two. I, I would say two. Brunson being first. Um. I don't know. They had a guy named Pearl Washington. I'm not sure if he averaged 20. But, yeah, I'm just going to say there was another one, but I, I don't know. But I would say two. What, 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 one. Jalen Brunson. That's it. That's the list. Oh, He's the nice. highest scoring Knicks point guard ever, PPG, in the regular seasons to this point. So, uh, useful, useless. It's pretty useful to me. I mean, the fact that only one guy has done it. And he, of course, we're in that society these days of he, oh, he's the first, he's the first, he's the first. But um, I think it's a pretty damn good accomplishment that you average 20 points a game as a point guard. You're the only person to do that. So, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean a hell of a lot, especially if you're not winning and you're not, you know, solidified in the playoffs or whatever. But being the only one in franchise history to do that, and it's not an obscure stat like, 
you know, the only guy to score 20 on a Thursday with one shoe on, you know, on this bullshit that you see on fucking media sites all the time. <laughs> so it's a legitimate thing. I th- think it's, um, I think it's legitimate. I think yeah, it's, I say it's useful. What do you say? Bro? Yeah, I think it's useful. I think it's useful. Um, I don't know if it's as much as pr- promoting Jalen Brunson's talents or the fact that Nixon never really, really had a scoring point guard. Um, albeit they did play in the eighties scoring 80 odd points a game a lot in the eighties and nineties. That was their grind out style under Pat Riley. So, um, but pretty useful. I mean, Brunson's having a hell of a year. So I like that one. All right, oppo- opponents who call isolation plays on OG and Anobi are shooting 21% from the field pro. Useful or useless? I think it's pretty useful. I mean, the guy's regarded as one of the top four or five defenders, probably the top three or t- two or three defenders in the league. I would say that uh, it's pretty useful. I mean, the guy's, like I said, it just sort of tells the story. It finalizes the story that, the guy's one of the best defenders in the league, so I think that it's, uh, I think it's a pretty useful stat, and I could see if it was like, you know, um, I don't know, if it's if it's some obscure guy, if it's like Kelly Oubre, you know, that's shooting twenty one percent. I said that's fucking pretty useless, but that guy could really guard. He's one of the best steals guy in the league. I would think it's pretty useful, to be honest. Yeah, useful, useful for sure. Um... Don't call an ISO on that guy. <laughs> You're going one for five. So I assume a lot of times, you know, you're stuck late in a shot clock. He switched on to as a ball handler and you're just praying you can get it to the rim. So um, good on him. Very, very interesting stat. One more Nuggets one. Nuggets currently have a 118.1 offensive rating. That would be, pro the greatest in NBA history. Useful, useless. Use fucking less. That's the ninth <laughs> team in the last 18 months that I heard had the best hit team. And, and and I have to listen to jerk offs every fucking day. Talk about this bullshit about this team has the best offense in the history of the NBA. Best offense in the history of the NBA. Every fucking week, there's, there's a new team with new fucking top of all time, you know, offense of all time. It's totally fucking bullshit, folks. I don't give a fuck, you know. Give me the fucking, give me the 1989 Clippers who won about four games. I'd rather them, watching them play fucking offense. Because every week, it's fucking some new team. No, fuck that, folks. I'm not bailing that bullshit. <laughs> fuck that. It's useless. All right. Not a fan of offensive rating? Uh, I think it's, no. as far as offensive ratings, I think it, I'm in the middle because, you know, offense has sure. continued to go up. Usage goes up. Fast-paced offenses, more more scoring, more shot attempts. Where there's, there's no point comparing this to NBA history because in the '60s, '70s, and '80s, like we said, the, the games were played in the '80s and '90s. You know, like it was grind-out games for the most part. You know, then they tweaked the rules. Then they had the '90s, which was like guys getting clotheslined in the '80s. So I don't think the history thing matters. I think the number itself is impressive. Um, as you just say in the current time, they they've got a dom- dominating number sure. offensive rating. But as far as NBA history. That doesn't really factor in, so I'm going to go useless on that one. Last one. This is from UPro. The Nets have the worst offensive rating. Offensive rating again. You gave me this one. <laughs> the Nets have the worst offensive rating yeah. in the NBA since the Kevin Durant injury. Useful or useless? Oh, it's going to be interesting. It's pretty useful. I mean, in the sense that so Kevin you're pro Durant's offensive rating is, now. You know, your pro offensive rating well, one yeah, one sure. stat later. I, Do you look, see what I'm dealing I, with, people? Look, look at this guy. I don't. No, fuck out of here. I don't mind. When you give me a stat like that, but when you when when the the best offense in the history of the NBA changes by the week, then you're like, give me a fucking break. <laughs> well, so does not the, the so it's does not the, the Nets' the offensive performance. Rating, 
The net the net's performance no changes doubt. week by no. week. Without fucking question. So you're saying you fact. Know, without question. But I mean, no, sorry, you're saying useful. Yeah, useful. No, for sure. That that one was useful. Because I'm just tired of it, folks. Come up with a <laughs> stat that doesn't like get like it's like the Chamberlain's hundred point game getting broken every week. Like what you know, what are you doing? But yeah, no, nah, fuck that. I, I'd say that's useful. It just sort of tells you how valuable and how fucking elite that guy is as a player that he carries a team. And that's the difference. And it's got nothing to do with Kyrie, right? It's got nothing to do with Kyrie. It's the difference between putting up numbers in the NBA and having the ability to carry a fucking team on your back. Big difference. Influential between numbers. Between the two. Yeah. And, Influential numbers. Yeah. Productive sure. numbers. And KD's... You know, you can have the worst offensive possession in the world and you throw it to him with seven seconds left on the shot clock and he makes your offense look good. So it's a huge luxury to have. You can, you know, you can you can have the worst set, bobble the ball, goes to half court, pick it up, throw it to KD, and it's like net contested long two after you cross someone over at seven foot tall. Like <laughs> it's the best offense in the world. Yeah. But uh, I think it's useful to tell us how bad the Nets really are without KD. I mean, Kyrie's playing better now, 38 today against the Warriors in a big win. But uh, they need Katie healthy and hopefully sooner than later, they said less than a month. So you should be back in the next couple of weeks. Fact or fake news, and let's hit the road. Uh, Bogues, uh, Shaq came out and said that Dwight Howard is not a, uh, a Hall of Famer. Fact or fake news? Your belief that he will not be a, uh, he will, he will not be a Hall of Famer. Is that fact or fake news? Well, I think fake news. I think he is a Hall of Famer. Um, I think he's definitely a Hall of Famer. Like his numbers, you know, he he was he was a beast in the mid period of that, like you know the two thousands, early two thousands ten. He was just look at the stats right now. So from his rookie year, he was he was basically twelve and ten his rookie year. Um, then went to fifteen and twelve, then seventeen and twelve. The next season, twenty and fourteen, twenty and thirteen, eighteen and thirteen. 23 and 14, 20 and 14, um, 17 and 12, 18 and 12, and then 15 and 10, and then slowly started dwindling down, but still all double doubles up until, you know, you average a double double for 13 seasons. And on top of that, you know, he's blocking two to three shots a night. So those numbers speak for themselves. He got a championship, albeit he wasn't the main, the main presence in the championship with the Lakers. He was seven, seven and seven a night, but still got his championship. He's, he's ticked all the boxes in my opinion. I think, Shaq and him, you know, Shaq's going to say, well, I have, I have, uh, you know, I have, I, I can say who's Hall of Fame because I am. Um, fair enough. Um, mm. But I, I just think that they've had that petty little beef, you know, for, uh, I don't even know what started it about Dwight calling himself Superman. Shaq said he was a real Superman. Superman. All that kind of bullshit, I think, plays right. into it. But I think, I think Shaq's wrong on this one. I think Dwight's numbers, I mean, they speak for themselves. Those numbers, you know, Still over a career. Let's not forget the last three, four seasons, he was a glorified role player, playing 15 minutes, not getting many touches. His career numbers still finish at you know just under 16 points, just under 12 rebounds, and just under two blocks a night. You know, over the course of from 2004 to 2021, that's impressive. Yeah, Bogues. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was like five times All First Team All NBA. You know, you're talking about a guy that was. I think he was defensive, all defense, like four times. He could have been multiple um, defensive, defensive player yeah, of the year, yeah. three straight years. Mm-hmm. So you know, and he was the best team, best player on us on 
you know, a championship finalist team that lost to the Lakers in, in 09. Um, you know, especially with the Hall of Fame, letting, first of all, you let Chris Webber in the Hall of Fame. Uh, if you let Chris Webber in the Hall of Fame, and, and again, it, it sort of fucks your whole voting process up because if you're going to let him in, you know, Tracy McGrady got in. Not that, you know, T-Mac didn't have a spectacular career, but like if you're going to let those guys in, you compare Dwight Howard to those guys, you're going to be like, wait a minute, like Dwight, like those those are pretty big time numbers. And the guy went to a final, again, carrying a team to the finals. You know, I, I think they had Vince Carter at the time still, and and they had, you know, they had a couple other guys who were pretty good, J.J. Redick and, you know, but he was clearly the best player on a championship level type team. And he dominated the league. He definitely should be in the Hall of Fame, especially, like I said, like T-Mac and, and Weber the last couple of years. And Ben Wallace got in too, you know, and not, nothing to do with Ben Wallace. I know he won a championship and all, but like this guy's career offensively and defensively, what he did, I mean, he terrorized the NBA. I think he should be in. You know, you could say all you want about like his, you know, competitiveness and all this other stuff. But I think all in all, I think he's definitely a Hall of Famer. By the way, did you see Shaq? Um, did you see Shaq, folks? He, he came out. He was about to he was on some show and he had a white piece of paper on his face and the lady, he would not come out unless the lady announced him as Dark Nowitzki. I thought that was, was the that funniest old? shit I've was ever Was that seen. old though? That was old though, right? Was that old? Oh, that was old. Oh, it was just on social media that day. I never heard. I know, no, I saw the but, same video because yeah. because yeah, Dirk was training. And I saw the same video. He said he wanted to be announced me as Dark Nowitzki. Dark Nowitzki. That was great. I've never heard that one. That was pretty. That was good. hilarious. I saw the yeah. same video. My, I think it, I think it's an older one. I think it's an older one. It might, it might be wrong, but I think I thought it was an older one. But he, um, I assume, it was after like Dirk had a good game. He probably called himself that. But that was hilarious. But uh, I heard a great. I had a great Sha- I had a great Shaq story, by the way. So my boys uh, who listens to the show, Scott Shanarian, he was an intern with the Celtics. He was like a video guy, and this is when Shaq was on Boston his last year. So he was be there was last game in the regular season playing the Knicks. So they were all in the locker room during the game watching. Well, my guys like logging the games or whatever. So I guess like um, KG was hurt. He wasn't playing, so he was in the back there too, and he was using his chair to like use the you know, use it for his like coding or whatever. And he goes, you know, KG, he's like, guy, oh, do you want, you want the CKG? My guy said, the Scott said, it. he goes, no, nah, no, nah, you're good. You could use it. Well, Shaq sat sat down to bust my guy's balls. So my guy's a fucking comedian like me. It's one of those like hydraulic chairs. So like he, he pre- like without, he likes without, without Shaq knowing he fucking like pressed a button and Shaq thought he was having a heart attack or something. And he like almost fell off the chair so like Shaq gets up, takes my guy and basically fucking flips him and fucking flip like he was pissed, like flip my guy, computer went up, everything went out and he just fucking left for the rest of the time. So my boy almost fucking got his ass kicked and probably would have owned half of fucking Shaq's fortune if he would have got hurt. But unfortunately, <laughs> he didn't get hurt by that. But I thought that was a pretty good story. But anyway, that was uh, number one. Number two, did you, um, fact or fake news, you saw that... Um, Joel Embiid went out and said that, like, you, you literally just can't post up regularly and win in the NBA in today's game. And basically, like, it's not the 80s anymore. You can't do it. Do you believe you believe the fact that you can't post up these days and consistently win? Uh, would you say it's fact or fake news? I, f- I think it's fake news. I think um, Embiid maybe meaning that 
Volume, yes. I mean, you can't, you can't do, you can't be the old Memphis Grizzlies with Zebo and Gasol where you just punch it inside the whole night, or, or, or even Dwight Howard in that Magic days with those numbers we just ran off. Dwight needs forty post touches a night. Like, no, that I agree with. But I think there's still spots where you can, you know, if you're, you know, if you've come out of a, of the game and you're shooting three for fifteen from three, like. I wouldn't mind a post touch. I wouldn't mind, and and you don't have to throw it to the post to score. Like you throw it to the post sometimes to flatten the defense out, get them off us a little bit, flatten them out, and then maybe go uphill uphill dribble handoff. You, the Warriors do a really good job of posting Kevon Looney and Draymond Green, not to score. They run split cuts off it that are actually aggressive split cuts to get to the hoop. So, I think there's still a spot for for post ups. Let's not forget Luka Doncic. A lot of his stuff is 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 post-ups a lot of his stuff off the block post-ups it's elbow extended post they're essentially 18 foot post-ups so yeah is it is it is it going has it gone to a place where your seven foot were getting you a bunch of touches that's not happening anymore we know that but but i think to say no no post-ups you can't win with any post-ups no i think there's there's still a time and a place and i think in playoff series and in finals where the three-point line dries up. You're going to need to stem the stem the bleeding a little bit. I think post-ups are, are very very useful. So I would say I would say fake news to that. I don't, I don't believe that. Yeah, the way it was phrased, I would say fact. As far as like you can't just go like you said, like go down like you, they used to do it at Ewing and Olajuwon and David Robinson and Duncan. Like just feed the post, feed the post, feed the post, feed the post. I do believe that you can't win. I, I think. You can't win if you're just consistently going down there 20 plus times to one player. Um, that I don't believe. Now, I do believe I've talked about it many a times in the podcast. Like, you know, um, you're the first big down and then you got to cross match a smaller player. Uh, they switch one to five pick and roll and then you just post up the, the, the guard. You know, so um, I do believe that you can't win by just posting up. I do, you know, with Luca, as much as he does post up, he does have majority of his possessions are, you know, are, you know, pick and roll ISO and things like that. You know, so I do think that the game has changed to the fact that, you know, I don't think you can post up consistently at a high volume like they used to and win. Although I'm a huge fan of posting up, especially against switching and things like that. So I say fact, if you're just going to like, if you, if you're just going to say it like that, you know, in my opinion. Yep. Fair enough. I last thing, Bogues, I don't even know if you want to talk about it or not, but, or, or answer it or think it's a, a, a good topic for fact or fake news. Did you, did you hear about DeJounte Murray this, this past week on uh, up and up and smoke podcast with uh, Steven Jackson and, uh, and Matt Barnes no, talking about it. the San Antonio Spurs. No, I didn't say it. All right. All right. So, you know what, we're going to save it for next week. Uh, our question for next week. So it's one of our questions. I want you, I want you to do some homework. He starts talking major shit about the San Antonio Spurs about how they handled his development, how they handled him as a player, uh, head games and things like I that. Saw, so I saw an excerpt I'll, I'll, of he was talking bad about Tony Parker. I saw that. Was that was that, that interview? Yeah, that whole deal. Um, oh, I saw that part. How, I didn't see know, the rest of it. Were, yeah, I didn't see the rest of it. But yeah. fill our listeners in so they're, so not, do, they're not I, waiting for a week. Why don't you just tell us what was said and then I'll give, you, right. I'll give you an answer. Well, basically how he just, they just played head games with him. They stopped his development. They were just like, you know, a lot of it was sort of the, um, a lot of it was a, just a topic of like 
him trying to read their mind and what they were thinking about how they were trying to hold him down. You know, like, you know, basically, here's one of the quotes. It was a roller coaster. I used to go home mad. I had my uncle living with me, and I used to go home mad just from the understanding, like, where we where we come from, you, you won't understand and what, what they're putting you through. I'd come to the arena, and they're like, you're not dressing up today. You know, I don't even have a I – don't, I don't even got a sports jacket. Um, let me see what else do we say. Basically, like like any other rookie. Then my second year, they um, they see I come back, getting stronger, getting better. That was the year I took the job from Tony Parker. Pop brought me in the office. He told brought us in the office. He told he told Tony that he didn't like it. I know he ain't he ain't like it because if he liked it, they would have me- uh, mentored me the way they should have. So he wouldn't have went. He wouldn't have went to Charlotte. I have no fucking idea what that means. But basically, like, you know, they didn't cater to him and they were playing head games. Dude, he's a young player. Like, you know, I think it's bullshit. I just think it's sour grapes. The guy got traded. I mean, they traded you to the Atlanta Hawks, which had a chance at the time to be a top four team in the East, like, and and put you with fucking Trey Young. They didn't trade you to, like, fucking D.C. They didn't trade you... You know, to Portland, they traded you to play with, you know, a pretty good team. They traded you pretty well. They upped your value from, you know, from a first round pick to like a guy that's made over a hundred million dollars on his next deal. Like, I don't know why the all the sour grapes for, you know. Plus, their fucking Spurs are terrible. So, so basically, my question was, do you believe what he said? And, like, all these head games they played with him. And, like, like they were in the wrong and he was in the right by basically he was mistreated his whole time in San Antonio. Fact or fake news? Look, I've heard, I've heard similar things from the Spurs, um, from numerous players that they, you know, for as from the outside in, they're like the, the mecca of development and everything's great and, you know, it's 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 – you know, fairy tale type NBA atmosphere where everything's great, but I've heard the opposite. Um, so I think the truth's probably, you know, a bit of both. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's got some gripes, um, but I think, you know, his history of the last year or so of media comments and, and antics <laughs> probably rule him out from being a guy you trust too much. Um, his Tony Parker point, yeah. I saw that. He was talking about, if Tony Parker really cared about his development, he wouldn't have left to go to Charlotte because he was mad that he was going to lose minutes to him. So that was Murray's point was like he would have stayed here and mentored me instead of just running to Charlotte. He was pissed that I was taking his minutes. That was kind of his point with that. So I'm on the fence with it. I, I, I think it's a bit of both. I think the Spurs definitely are overhyped with 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 some of their stuff when it comes to play development and whatnot. Um, I think they're just like any other NBA team. They do some really good things. They do some really bad things. But I know – off the court, it's military-like. Like, uh, I know off the court, you see them in hotel. Like, sometimes we would cross paths with the Spurs. So we'd be checking in a hotel, they'd be checking out, or sometimes you stay the same night as, as other teams. And they're military-like. Like, you see their their staff, their assistant. they're all just stone-faced, like, scared if they have any bit of personality, Pop's going to jump out of a closet and abuse them. Like, it's just, like, crazy, man. Like, it's, like, honestly, it's, like, a whole different... And then you see our team, like under you know, when I was with the Warriors under Kerr, it's like happy go lucky, talking shit, laughing, smiling, making noise. You know what I mean? So, um, I think Murray's got a point there. But on the flip side, you know, it's it's the NBA, it's every team. Like I, I think he's just to go on there and not give the Spurs a right to reply is probably not fair neither. So I'm on the fence with this one, bro. 
Yeah, I, I totally, I understand. I, I think it, I think it is a little bit of sour grapes that, you know, maybe they, he wanted to get his ass kissed a little bit more. He wanted to be the focal point. And let's just be honest, like most young players coming into this league, you know, he, he came into it a weird time. Like Parker was leaving, you know, Ginobili, Parker, those guys were sort of on the way out. I don't know if Duncan was still there or not, but like all this stuff was happening and they're trying they're trying to like do the right thing by like move those guys on. Like you can't just be this guy that, you know, that everybody caters to. It's just sort of, you know, the the league isn't really run like that. You know, like some you know, you're not really portrayed as a player like that. Like you have to develop into it. And not every player is gonna be like LeBron James and they they basically like you know, they wait on you hand and foot. It's just it's a little bit different, you know, the way they run things. And, you know, look, I think what made San Antonio so good, you know, in development is Pop sort of stayed out of it. You know, Chip England ran it and he was allowed to run it. And I think most coaches in the NBA doesn't allow that much leeway to one coach to run their development. A, the staffs are way too big. Every, you know, everybody's got to step on somebody's toes or go behind someone's back. I think San Antonio does a really good job at just sort of doing that. I don't think there's any like when I got to Dallas, everybody was asking me because I, I just sort of have you know have my foot in player development and my ear to the grindstone with it. Well, what's the secret sauce of San Antonio? And I would tell them, and they they'd be disenchanted. I said, "There's no fucking secret sauce. They know what they're doing. They're pretty good." And the fucking head coach stays out of the fucking way. And nobody fucks with him. Nobody micromanages like, hey, look, this guy got to get better at this, this, and this. And then Chip England goes, okay, let's do it. And he's got a staff. He, You know, it's one voice. He does it. Nobody fucks with him. And I'm sorry, but 28, 27 other NBA teams don't do it that way because everybody's fucking medals and stuff like that. That's just sort of how it was. And, you know, look, DeJounte Murray was the 29th fucking pick in the draft. All right, 29th pick in the draft. And not many 29 picks in the draft, you know, like sort of develop into, you know, into like just, hey, give you the keys to the castle and just roll with it. So, like, you got to work your way in. It takes time. You got to play in multiple summer leagues. You got to develop. You got to go to the D League. And then plus you're on this veteran team that had some success. So it's like, what do you expect? You know, you're not on like, you know, you're not on this like cellar dweller team. You're not on the Houston Rockets. You're not on the Charlotte, you know, the Charlotte Hornets. You're not on the fucking Orlando Magic. Like you're a team that's, you know, maybe could win a round in the playoffs. It's so it it happens. So I just don't understand the whole like, oh, I, you know, I, I feel betrayed here. Like, yeah, yeah, they probably fuck with you a little bit. Pop's sort of like into that and they're sort of like CIA-ish and, and all that, you know, J. Edgar Hoover-ish and they'll fuck with your head. But like, what are you going to do? It, it it ends up fucking working out in the best. I mean, you're making some pretty good money last time, last time I checked. You know, like, you could you could bitch and complain about it, but you're making $16.5 million this year, and you're making seventeen point seven this year, next year. You're averaging 21 and 5 which means you're going to get about $30 million a year in your next deal. Like, I think the world's not really, you know, I don't think, I don't think anybody has any conspiracy theory against you, so... I would say, like you, I'm closer to the middle, but I would say it's probably more 60-40 that it's full, he's full of shit. But that's just me. I, I wasn't there, so you know, good luck to him. So all that being said, I would say it's um, that it's fake news, but that's just me. 
Fair enough. And by the way, the Lakers just came back and won. I don't know if you saw that. Oof. Nah, I was talking to you. They're up so, by no, 20. Pulled them up by 24 something at halftime. Um, and the Lakers stormed the back. Curse of pro. Yep, yep. And Beverly, Beverly was, uh, there's a nice little video online you can find. He was tapping on his watch, you know, referencing Dame time at the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He's classic. But yeah. Um, yeah, pretty good, pretty good comeback for the Lakers after we just shut them for the last hour. But uh, all good. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks everyone for joining us at Hoop Consultants for Pro on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, hopefully, um, and Rogue Bugs everywhere else. And we'll see you next week. All right, see you guys later. Let's get Rogue.